Welcome to the TBH Podcast. I'm your host, Wade Chandler. Joining me as always, Fitzy. Do you like Fitzy or do you want me to say your whole name? Yeah, it works. Yeah, it works. So today we're going to talk about, uh, you know, it's, we're getting close to season and the questions always come flooding in. And I've been getting one repeatedly over and over and it's, I want a new hunting rifle. What should I get? And that's kind of like a very open-ended question, but I've kind of, you know, done this long enough, kind of com- compiled a list of some things you should ask yourself and kind of help you make your selection. And first it would be, I think, and you may have a different opinion on this. I think the first question you should ask yourself is what's your budget for the overall rifle. That's rifle rings, optic or in any other attachments like bipod sling, even like just come up with the overall budget, take all those things into consideration and then go from there. Because if, you know, let's say I've got a budget of like four grand, but I really like the way this gun works looks, that's not really going to work out. So after you kind of sit down, budget out and you should be, you should kind of do some research online. Can I go from there? Like, is it a realistic budget to want something that looks like a gun works for Ruger American money? No. So do some searching online, kind of get an idea of what actual budgets are running nowadays. Cause a lot of stuff's gone up, you know, with the uh, inflation and whatnot, a lot of stuff's gone up a little bit higher. than it used to be kind of go from there. Uh, as far as budget goes again, don't forget your optic, your rings and all that stuff. If you're wanting to build a really nice rifle. I'm going to say, I'm going to cap factory at about three grand because there's some really nice factory rifles that you can get into around up, up to three grand. That's not including optic, uh, customs. I'm going to say, start, you know, you're going to be start looking around that 4,500, $5,000 mark. It seems like that's kind of the going price nowadays for, you know, your, your stereotypical custom rifle of carbon fiber barrel, carbon fiber stock, you know, and so on and so forth. And then you can go all the way up to 10, 15 grand. You know, if you get a gunworks package, you're going to be looking at at least $10,000 more than likely. And that's a package rifle. That's optic ammo, everything. So once you establish a realistic budget, if you will, you kind of start defining some things. What is do it all? Like that's the question. That's the comment I get the most is I'm a good do it all rifle, meaning, you know, mule deer, whitetail, some varmints, lots of pigs, stuff like that. That's pretty, pretty wide array of animals in Texas. And I would, I would say for myself, I classify certain rifles under what game. And that would be my first question that you need to define is what game, what do you, what do you mean by do it all? Because if I want a backcountry elk rifle, that may be vastly different from just a deer stand, uh, whitetail rifle. So define the game you're talking about. And, you know, if you want one rifle to rule them all, that's fine. It's just going to be, typically it's going to be like a little overgunned for these most Texas whitetail, especially like a coyote rig. Uh, doesn't matter on pigs. You shoot them with whatever you got in your hands. Uh, so define what game and kind of be realistic. And once again, you know, if you're, if you're wanting a backcountry oak rifle, and shoot long range, you know, I would be thinking like something around 300 PRC territory as opposed to a straight deer stand whitetail rifle. 
weight's not really an, an issue there. In caliber, I'd kind of cap it in the short action calibers, meaning like 6.5 Creedmoor, 308, stuff like that. Now, one thing, you know, we kind of start getting into caliber based off what game and be realistic with yourself and all that. One thing uh, you need to think about is are you recoil sensitive? Is this for a child? Because I'm not going to recommend a 300 PRC, especially if it's not suppressed, to a child. Is this a rifle only for yourself? Is this a rifle for your wife or what have you? You know, start thinking about recoil. And I would just say go ahead and buy a suppressor. That just takes care of most of that anyways. But anyways, I digress. So, and there's also a question or a circumstance I get asked about quite often. That's I have shoulder issues. Like I can't carry a heavy rifle or I can't shoot a high recoiling rifle. What would you recommend? So put this on your list. Like, recoil sensitive i really don't like i've shot this before really didn't like it or this will be used for myself and my young son what have you you know start making a a detailed list and list out all these factors because if you do approach a rifle builder or someone that you're reaching out to for help if you have all these questions answered it's going to help narrow down that field of caliber and all that stuff and again starting with budget being the most important in my personal opinion so again Talking about suppressed. Now that gets us into the whole next set of sub questions, I suppose, is what you'd say. And if you're not suppressed, you stop being rude and go ahead and get suppressed. But anywho, if you're suppressed, you have to understand that that will add anywhere from six inches all the way up to what do you think the longest can is? Nine inches? And I'm sure there's longer, but right. commonly. Right. You yeah. know, commonly six, seven, eight inches, somewhere around there. So keep in mind. When you're adding that suppressor on into the barrel, that's that much more length. And, you know, I've had several guys come back after going suppressed. Like, they have these 28-inch barrel or 26-inch barrel or even 24-inch barrel, like 28 nozzles and stuff like that. And then later on in life, they go suppressed, and then they take it back to the back country, and they're like, God, this thing's long. Because they got, like, a standard can, which is around 7 inches or so. You know, I really like to go a little bit shorter. Now... Why this is important, number one, if you are suppressed or you intend on running a muzzle device of any sort, which I recommend, it needs to be threaded, which most rifles nowadays are going to be threaded. I mean, it's just kind of a super common thing nowadays is most stuff's going to come threaded. But where that really comes into play is, okay, I'm going to run a suppressor, so I want to go with a, say, a 20-inch barrel as opposed to like a 26-inch barrel to you know make up for some of that suppressor length i'm not going to recommend especially old cartridges such as 30 out 6 270 300 wind mag 7 millimeter rim mag and a 20 inch barrel because those cartridges are really designed for the longer barrels now yes you can get away with shooting them in shorter barrels but it would be much better for you to reach for something that's a little bit more modern something that has a little bit better case capacity so if i'm like 20 inches barrels 20 inch barrels and down i'm going to be reaching for most times short action magnums like 6.5 prc 7 psalm stuff like that they really work well with the shorter barrels and especially if you're loading yourself and you can really tweak that powder to get a little bit faster burning powder in there so barrel length is super important and you know it kind of plays in with suppress and all that stuff if you're running a deer stand rifle, it's going to be sitting out one window. It doesn't really matter. But if you're hiking the back country, you want to keep that length short as possible. It matters. If you're going to be running 
a particular cartridge, such as these older cartridges that yield themselves much better performance out of a longer barrel. Those are all considerations you should really think about. Now, you know, and I, we could go on about cartridges and all that stuff for a long time. And we may save that for a whole other podcast because it is, can get very in depth. Like we could go over all the cartridges and which ones yield themselves better to a shorter barrel. But a general rule of thumb is the bigger the cartridge, the longer the barrel, you know, and there's a lot of people that will go ahead and do that anyways. But if you start looking at some data, some real life data, not this stuff that a bunch of YouTubers like, you know, expunge all over the internet, uh, you start looking at some real data. It may be a scenario where like, okay, I got a 300 wind bag. I'm going to cut the barrel way down. If you start looking at the data, it may even be better. You may be better off running a 300 WSM, which is a short action Magnum. So something to think about. We'll cover that in a whole nother podcast some other day. So where am I at here? What weight are you looking to be at? Now, this is another thing where you need to be realistic. If you have rifles already in your gun case, weigh them. Weigh the complete package. See what they're weighing. And then start looking at it from there. If I'm going to be doing a backcountry hunt and I'm only going to be shooting one or two shots, barrel profile isn't as important. The weight is very important. I want to get that thing trimmed down as lightweight as possible because the more stuff you add onto your pack, the heavier it gets, so on and so forth. But if I'm just riding into a pickup to a deer stand, doesn't matter. It can be a 25-pound rifle. It really doesn't matter at all. So think about the weight, and that goes back to what do you intend on doing with this rifle and go from there. And again, that could be a whole other podcast as well. Uh, calibers for gain. This is one that's going to be, again, it could be a very long one, but I'm just going to go ahead and like do a quick, quickly go over this. So if you're going to be building a building or buying a dedicated elk rifle and you want to shoot out to longer ranges for sure, I would go with 28 nozzler, 300 PRC. You can use some of the short action magnums, such as a 6.5 PRC, 6.8 Western, 300 WSM, and the list goes on. There's several short action magnums, but you also got to look at what ranges am I intending on shooting them at? Because if you're never going to take a shot over, say, 400 yards, and you're pretty fair marksman, you know, you practice enough, 6.5 PRC is going to be fine. There's plenty of people doing it right now. Whereas if you're going to stretch the limits and shoot a little bit longer ranges, maybe a 28 nozzle or a 300 PRC is something that'd be way better suited for you. So you really need to look at the game. I say do some research online, but you should be careful. I would do my research wisely. Like look for people to actually go out and do a bunch of backcountry hunting or whatnot and ask them. Don't just throw the question out there and, you know, boomers, <laughs> they typically, they tend to want to overgun things. And nowadays there's lots of great cartridges that'll get the job done just fine with minimal amounts of recoil and weight involved in the actual package of the rifle. So I would typically say if it's going to be a primary oak cartridge, again, $28 or 300 PRC, just to name a few, and like all the way down to the 6.5 PRC, 300 WSM, I guess you could say 300 wind mag, but it's just not one of my personal favorites. And so on and so forth. Like large action magnums to short action magnums are going to get the job done on elk. And as far as projectile weight, 
I'm going to say like anywhere from 150 grain all the way up to 250 grain projectile. It just depends on how far you're shooting, how much more dead you want them. There are people that do it with much smaller calibers, and there's people that do it with much larger calibers. Like, there's a certain subset of people that firmly believe the 338 Lapua is the best elk rifle. And I'm like, no, <laughs> it's just, it's unnecessary nowadays. So, that kind of covers elk. Let's talk about whitetail. And this is something that makes me laugh quite a bit because there's a lot of people out there hunting whitetail with like seven rim mags, 300 wind mags, and so on and so forth. Completely unnecessary. Now, if that's what you have, that's what you have. It's totally fine. And there are lighter grain projectiles you can use to do that, but it just seems like really outgunned because we, we shoot a bunch of whitetail every year. Uh, we don't use nowhere near that big of cartridge and we don't have any trouble finding them. Like majority of the whitetail taken on this range every year was with a six millimeter Creedmoor running anywhere from a 95 grain up to like 115 grain projectile. And it does just fine. Like they literally don't go anywhere. So I don't know what you need a three hair wind mag before, but you know, if it's just a whitetail gun, Six five Creedmoor is a great caliber. I know a lot of people bash it just because number one, they're using wrong projectiles. Number two, you should be honest with yourself. If you suck at shooting, you're probably going to win a bunch of stuff. So maybe you should get a bigger car- caliber, such as like a three hundred eight or thirty out six and all that jazz. But again, most three hundred eight bolt face short action caliber is going to be just fine for whitetail and mule deer out to a certain range. Now the mule deer's, you know, they tend to get a little bit bigger especially in some you know, other places that get really big. That's the one where you start dipping into the short action magnums. If you want to shoot them long range, like a six, five PRC is a great do it all rifle anywhere from whitetail, mule deer, elk at moderate ranges. So again, uh, mule deer is kind of like the, I mean, I, sh- we've shot plenty with a less than you know, six, five creed more stuff like that. There's plenty of people do it every single year. If that's primarily all I hunted, I'd probably opt for a 6.5 PRC. Get a little bit bigger projectile. Shoots a little bit faster. But it can be done with 6.5 Creedmoor. A lot of people underestimate how, how good this 6.5 Creedmoor is. Except for the guys actually out there doing it. You know, they're they're making it happen every single year. So, again, don't overgun yourself. I mean, if you want to, I guess if you want to shoot a big boomer cartridge, that's fine. That's just not what I recommend to people. So the next one, and again, well, I guess I could cover. We got down to whitetail. Let's talk about pigs. Anything you have is fine. Most of your deer rifle cartridges are going to work just fine on a pig. But we shoot them with, yeah, we've shot them with 22s. It doesn't, doesn't matter. But predator hunting, I would cap that at about a 6.5 Creedmoor. 6.5 Creedmoor down. Now, there are certain circumstances where I would reach for a 308, and that's a brush type scenario with the 110 grainers we sell shameless plug but for most circumstances six six cream more is going to do just fine and we're gonna you know i'm not going to get too far off in that we'll save that for a whole other podcast predator hunting calibers cartridges what have you so the next most probably the most important thing that's going to help you decide caliber and whatnot is ammo are you buying factory ammo are you buying custom ammo? Are you reloading yourself? If you're buying factory, that's probably, especially nowadays, that's really going to limit your cartridges that you, you know, are able to use or what caliber you're able to buy. Now, what I would 
typically recommend people do is go to the all the local gun stores or you may already have an idea what's generally in stock always that would probably really push me towards my suggestion greatly because there's no sense of buying a caliber that you can't find ammo for you don't want to you don't want to have to go through that headache so why even put yourself in that position now most of the time 65 prc and 300 prc and stuff like that 65 creedmoor even though they're in high demand always they're usually in stock at some point and when you see it buy it so don't buy some wildcat caliber if, especially if you don't reload that you can't find ammo for another thing to consider is if you're going to travel for hunting it might do you some good to do some research find some gun stores in the general area or what have you find out what ammo they currently have in stock or what they keep in stock because you never know what's going to happen when you're traveling you could lose your ammo or if, especially if you're getting on a plane you could totally lose anything so and again that falls back on game and everything else like if you're going to be traveling a lot all over the country hunting the caliber decisions would highly be dependent upon what i can find other places because you never know what's going to happen you don't want worst case scenario you lose your ammo and you have to go to the store and find something else if you're running some kind of wildcat that you can find in your local town only that's not really going to do you much good if you get out in the country somewhere and lose your ammo for some reason so keep in mind do some research all that if you're buying custom ammo uh such as ally munition sale another shameless plug that will you know get with there's a magnitude of custom annual ammo manufacturers nowadays get with them kind of talk to them find out like okay well how is everything looking right now and it's not always going to be like this but just talk with them like what's the availability of this particular ammo because i'm thinking about getting a rifle in this caliber i like your ammo i want to run it so what's availability going to look like is this something you load once a year a couple times a year is this something you always have in stock just get with your if you're buying custom ammo get with them when you're ammo manufacturers and find out what availability looks like because usually most time they'll be able to tell you hey this stuff's hard for us to access or we have this all the time what have you and if you're reloading kind of the sky's limit i mean there's a lot of calibers that like seven psalm i mean it's getting it's gaining more popularity which i don't know what's going to happen once the seven prc gets out but seven psalm's fairly highly popular especially amongst like uh, mountain mountain hunters and stuff like that like it's they're getting really good results out of like 180 grain eldms and burgers out of a shorter package than say like a seven rim mag or 28 nozzler so it's getting highly popular so if you're reloading that's totally something that's obtainable for you now you should check on the components that you think you'll need and see what the availability of that is but when you reload it's kind of you kind of run whatever you want really and truly it, just as long as you can excess the original components you need to get it done so those are all things that I really think about nowadays especially is ammo availability so the next thing i would think about is a custom build versus a factory rifle this could probably be a whole nother podcast as well and if you haven't watched i don't remember what episode it was we had a custom rifle builder in here yep uh travis pollock yeah it was one of our first 10 i know that yeah it's you know there's some great information there about custom builds but we'll just briefly touch on it so i will say this nowadays there's lots of quote-unquote factory rifles that are getting really good like nowadays 
even all the way down to the cheapest rifles actually is is no longer it seems like it's no longer an issue yeah you're gonna have bad apples i mean that's just manufacturing especially on a mass more mass scale you're gonna have issues every once in a while with the cheaper rifles with actually but most most factories nowadays that i'm aware of like running probably top of the line equipment so accuracy what is it actually or precision <laughs> wait repeat that the rifle we're talking accuracy or precision oh accuracy i think a precision is like the consistency it's like group size okay accuracy would be like um, basically like almost think of like your sighting system right? my brain never retains accuracy <laughs> and precision but anyways Nowadays, it's hard not to get a good good shooting rifle. Now, there's certain things that you're buying when you're spending more money. And like I said, factory rifles, they go, again, technically, Gunmarks is a factory rifle. It's just your upper end custom factory rifle, but technically the way they manufacture it, I'd call it a factory rifle. Nowadays, most all of them are going to shoot good, but you need to make your list here and kind of go through all the attributes you're looking for and kind of go from there, like, there's some really great quote unquote factory rifles. One of my favorites is probably in that $2,500 price range would be the Springfield waypoint. Uh, as far as what everybody's looking for nowadays, they kind of, they're kind of hitting, hitting a really good stride there down from there. Bagara's really got it going on nowadays. I mean, you can get anywhere from a $700 rifle all the way up to like a $2,500 rifle with them. And they just start doing some carbon fiber stuff. So we'll see on that. They tend to be great shooters. Almost everybody nowadays is throwing trigger takes and everything, except for when you get down those lower cost categories. So you're getting a good trigger. You're getting great rifles. Uh, just depends. Again, it depends on what you're looking for. And if you want something that's truly yours, that you picked out all the little things and custom Cerakote jobs and what have you, that's going to be more on the custom side. As far as like good factory rifles, Tikas tend to be really good shooters, really smooth actions, great rifles. Uh, starting to get a pretty fair aftermarket if you want to swap out the stock and whatnot. Uh, going down even more, you know, how was coming out with some really good-looking carbon fiber barrel packages right now with uh, good Bell and Carlson stock, and they tend to be good shooters. Now, you got that older-style Rim 700 action, and their trigger's fair. I would say it's fair enough for a hunting rifle, and it's hitting around that $1,000 price point with a carbon fiber barrel, like $1,100 or so, something like that. All in all, pretty good looking packages. But the bad thing about factory, quote unquote, factory rifles, most of the time you're going to get these generic barrel lengths, such as like 24 inch and so on and so forth. There are some that are kind of starting to stray, and they'll do like suppressor ready models, which are typically like a 16 and 18 inch, so on and so forth. But you're usually going to be like stuck to the mainstream calibers, mainstream uh, barrel lengths, and whatnot. Whereas custom, you can basically order whatever you want, essentially. I mean, with the exception of like super short barrels, you kind of start messing with NFA items there. But there are a lot of great options out there, all the way down to the cheapest rifle, you know. So, again, that kind of falls back on your budget. Like, you can get a good rifle for just about any amount of money nowadays. There are certain ones I'd pick within each price category. But if you're really wanting something truly custom, like you want a particular paint job, you want a particular barrel, particular action, the options are endless. The weights are usually long, usually going to be around the $4,000 price mark and go up from there, but it'll be truly custom. It'll be something that you, 
you had an idea for and you come up with and you got it built. And it's usually going to be built by one individual or what have you. They're going to take probably a little bit more extra time on like small things where as opposed to these factory rivals are getting stamped out. Now, you're probably not going to buy any better of a shooting rifle than say like a $800 rifle. But you are going to buy better quality components and just something that you really want. And again, it just kind of falls back on what are you looking for? What's your budget? I mean, I, I put budget at the forefront because, again, if you don't know your budget, you know, what do you even know to start? So another thing I would consider, and this would probably be my last thing, is move along pretty quick. Going too quick? No, no, keep going because I have something for you at the end. Okay. So one thing I would consider is how much are you going to practice with the rifle and be honest with yourself. Now I recommend everybody practice as much as they can, but if you like, you really have it set in your mind, I'm going to buy a new rifle. I'm going to start practicing a lot and everything else. Probably don't get a 28 nozzler. I mean, if you intend on practicing a lot with said hunting rifle, because 28 nozzler ammo is extremely expensive. They are what you would consider a barrel burner, probably 800 to a thousand rounds. If you're going to practice a lot, maybe go with something a little bit smaller. You know, if you were just going to jump on the hype train and buy $28 for whitetail hunting, which I wouldn't recommend, and you intend on shooting a lot and everything else, maybe look at a 6.5 Creedmoor, even a 6.5 PRC. I mean, the good thing about the Creedmoors and those class rifles is they tend to have great barrel life as opposed to like your big large action magnums especially like a 28 nozzler is not going to have great barrel life it's not going to be even suppressed has a lot of push on it especially when you start putting together these lighter hunting rifles has a lot of push on it. it's not that big of a joy to shoot i can't imagine what it'd be like with a break or without anything i just wouldn't even shoot it that's just my opinion so be honest with yourself how much you're going to practice and then maybe again do your research talk to people that actually know things not some of these youtubers <laughs> yeah and go from there that's pretty much all i have on that well uh get to the meat and potatoes meat and potatoes you like that i did a i did a thing <laughs> um let's do kind of like a rapid fire right so i'm just going to throw out cir- circumstances and you're just like wade's recommendations okay so uh you, you got to the part guys what you were wanting um so dedicated predator hunting rifle what caliber what are my parameters on ammo? No, no, just your just, your pick. Just answer it. Yeah, your pick. Six arc. That's interesting. <laughs> You're such a dick. Um, <laughs> six creed more for most people. I mean, yeah, six six creed. What dedicated? Uh, kind of do it all. White tail. Maybe do a little bit of predator hunting. Six creed. Six 100%. creed. Dedicated elk cartridge. What are you What are you going for? What are you grabbing? Probably three RPRC because. Over the over the six five PRC because I like to shoot far, and I know that that cartridge is capable of taking the elk out to a thousand yards. Okay, so let's uh, let's start from there. Three hundred PRC, uh, full setup, two thousand dollar budget. Oof, for the mountains because that's gonna be a tough one. Yeah, I'm probably two thousand dollars for the full setup, like optic and all, or just o- rifle? optic and rifle. Damn. 
You think you need a little bit more? It's going to be hard. I mean, in that particular circumstance, if it's for elk hunting, I'm probably going to snag up one of the, actually one of the howls in this circumstance or the Savage Ultralight. I think it's around $1,100, $1,200. Optic, I'm going to try and find a Vortex LHT on sale or a Mark, uh, not a Mark 5, a VX5. Yeah. Because you can usually, like, 3 to 15. I'm not going to be totally happy with my budget, but... Okay, same thing. Uh, the do-it-all rifle, quote-unquote, $2,000 budget. Do it everything? Yeah. So we're like elk and everything. Well, again, that comes back to, like, marksmanship, really. Yeah. So, like, mostly white tail. I just want to be able to go hunt with my friends. I have $2,000. Be able Six, to... 6.5 PRC. 6.5 uh, PRC. Um... I'm probably going to see if the either the Howard or the Ultralight are available in PRC. I, now what I'm about, sure they are. I'm mostly going to be doing whitetail, some predator hunting, two thousand dollars. Six five Creedmoor. I'll probably mm, under that price point. I'll I'll look at some of the Bagaras, and the only reason why I'm leaving a lot of the lower cost Bagaras out is because of weight. Like they t- they're super heavy, heavy yeah. barrel. And that's why I'm reaching for like the Howa because you can get the carbon fiber. But there are, I can't remember all the price points since everything's kind of gone it's up. Just roughly. Be I'm reaching for a Bagara, a Tika, or one of the Savage Ultralight or the Howa. It just depends on how much walking I intend on doing. Now, $1,000 budget, same thing. 6.5 Creed more. I might get down in the Rugers at that point. Ruger American, yeah, because of the I know for a fact the lower budget, uh, the lower budget, uh, what you call it, Bagara is gonna be super heavy, and I don't want to lug that bitch around. Yeah. Now, if I'm just hunting a deer stand and hunting out a high rack, I'm reaching for the Bagara because I don't get, I don't care about the. So, weight. so Ruger American, what optic you throwing on that? My my cap is thousand dollars. Yeah. I am getting a. What are the Rugers now? Like five hundred almost. We'll just say five hundred. I'm reaching for a Leopold VX Freedom thirty millimeter tube. And I only actually I don't know if they still make this. They might have discontinued last year, but they make a four to twelve with a TMR reticle. I'm reaching for that one. That's fun. Um, because I think it used to come in around five. Now stepping it up a bit. Say, do it all rifle three thousand dollars. Ooh, I got some money to spend now. Yeah, rich, rich. Do it all. Well, I say do it all again, like that typical white. I'm gonna go white tail. I might shoot a deer. I might go shoot pigs. I might go shoot a predator. I might six five creed. Unless you're gonna add in elk, then a PRC. But I'm gonna keep my rifle budget around that thousand dollar mark start, still. Yeah. And buy better glass. I'm yeah. probably going to get a Mark V. Now, I think I think kind of getting into that that do it all. You pointed out something interesting earlier, which is something like a six, even a six five PRC versus a six five Creedmoor. Like if if this is your like first rifle or first like kind of long range rig, you'd be so much better off getting the Creedmoor because then you're going to learn, be able to to learn marksmanship. Yeah, and long range shooting because yeah. even a PRC, I mean. You're going to get more barrel life than others, but yeah. it ain't going to be much. And ammo is going to be ungodly. No, I think my 
which it was a thin barrel and I did burn it down. I think my first PRC 12, 1500 rounds, somewhere around there. Whereas I've got one crate more. I don't even know how many rounds down in over 4,000. Yeah. Uh, which that's probably not going to be like, don't take this as a grain, you know, as the gospel, but you, I guarantee it, especially and it comes down to how you take care of them. If you just go to Prairie Dog Town, melt it down, none of them going to last very long. But if you take care of them, I know at least you're probably going to get at least 3,000 rounds out of a 6.5 pre more. I suppose PRC is going to be at least half. And the, the whole recoil thing, like. No, and money. Yeah. Ammo is way significantly cheaper on Creedmoor than it is. Like half PRC. the price sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. So um, now just getting away from the, uh, let's say I have an optic. I want to spend like two to three grand on a, on a solid rifle. What brand are you looking at? Off the shelf. Up to three grand, maybe even up to thirty five hundred. That's but I'm gonna cap it right there. I really like the Springfield Waypoint. I really like the upper end Bagaras. I just I mean there's more stuff out there. Like Seekins makes a great rifle, especially the lightweight hunting rifle. They make a great rifle. They tend to shoot really well and whatnot. And it's gonna be around that twenty five hundred mark and all that. Uh, one I've totally forgot to even mention is uh, Sig. What's it called? Uh, the Cross. Yes, Sig Cross. That's one of those two thousand now, or are they still for fifteen hundred. Let's we'll say two thousand. It might. It's probably less. I'm gonna look, like as far as a yeah. You know, a lot of people, a lot of the hunters don't even think about those types of rifles because they they kind of look at them as a tactical rifle, even though it's just a bolt action. Yeah, it's a lightweight bolt action. That's that in the queue, fixed, or like, yeah, which is you're spending. What are those I now? I think they're over thirty five hundred now. Yeah, so like I'm calling the thirty five hundred as a cap. Anything over that, I'm just gonna go ahead and save more money and get a full custom. You know, but anything within that, like the the Sig Cross and the Q, like they're kind of underrated hunting rifles because they tend to be super modular, highly adjustable. They're short, shorter, very lightweight, good shooting rifles. I mean, we've had great luck out of the Q and the cross. I mean, they yeah. both shoot fantastic. You know, I have my complaints about both of them, but it, you know, yep. I, I can give you a complaint about any rifle on the market. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Okay. So custom rifle, which, which, uh, which builders you like, what, who you use? <laughs> we've used a lot of people. Yeah. I, I really like Texas custom rifles. Uh, a lot. Uh, they have quite a few of those. Yeah. Between others and I, well, I have a couple now, but uh, between others, I know they have them. I've probably shot most of them, making ammo for them and whatnot. Yeah. Somebody just knock on the door? It's probably upstairs. Oh. They're great shooters. He's a great guy. I yeah, love pushing business towards him. I, I mean, said, I'll put, the, I'll put the podcast right here, yeah. roughly, so you can, if you're interested in learning more about that, custom uh, rifles talk watch that you know i'm really drawing a blank on uh alamo makes some great stuff i've i've i don't actually own alamo yet i don't know why i don't but i've loaded for a bunch of them they're fantastic shooters uh god i should have wrote all the names down uh i just got one from hunts long range hunts long range supply i believe is what it's called out of missouri wasn't it missouri i think so sounds right uh, fantastic looking rifle so far. It shoots great. Six eight Western, which we'll be covering that later. 
you have a your a quote custom. I, the proof you have at the time was like yeah, factory yeah. custom, quote unquote. But uh, here's it's been great shooter. Well, well, I have two proofs now, which we have a couple in the uh, ammo development line. A couple proofs. They good shooters. Yeah. What what is some, now gun works. They, I think the big thing with Gunworks, they've done some really cool stuff. Yeah, I mean, they really... And, like, they're very much, like, they have their own system. You can you can build something similar, but it's, like, you can't build a Gunworks in terms of being in their system. Right. Um, so, so they are they are truly what I would call factory custom. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, they're about the only people I would actually call factory custom. Yeah, everybody else is. I mean, it's still assembly line. I mean, they're... The amount of options you get on the Gunworks. Yeah, they have a great website. They they do do a lot of stuff, like a lot of classes. You know, that I think you can get a discount if you buy the rifle. I think. I don't don't hold me to that. But they they do the whole, you know, BDC turret thing. Like, when you're buying one of the rifles, it's a package. Now. I was going to say, you just uh, just worked a bunch of overtime. You're rich, rich. Uh, (laughs) Yes. They're very expensive. They are nice, and they are doing a lot of things. They, I like the fact that they're just uh, super passionate about rifles, and they're constantly like putting money back into new technology and trying to come out with better stuff and all that. And I like the whole program they have. Like you get ammo, you get the scoped rifle, BDC turrets. Meh. I mean, they work fine for out five six hundred yards, which is yeah. You know, well, for people. you, for you, they're not good for. That guy who's going to get a yeah. twenty-eight Nosler yeah. and isn't going to practice exactly, uh, and you know, out to a certain range, and again, that's you know, a whole other thing. Yeah, it's a whole thing. They also, they also like you know, they're constantly putting money back into their <clears throat> company. They're not sitting on their hands. They're trying to come out with new and better stuff, and well, and the optics as well. That's, yeah, and if you really get into their whole system, they show you how to uh, fix the issues that could be wrong with your BDC turrets. But for the guy, so Gunworks isn't for like, you know, the guy who doesn't want to spend that kind of money. Gunworks is really, to me, and I could be totally wrong. I mean, yeah, you should save up some money. If you want a Gunworks, save up the money, get a Gunworks. But they're really catering to the the rich fella who is spending fifty, sixty thousand $60,000 on a hunt. What's what's a $10,000 rifle on a, you know, bear, bear cost $60,000 hunt? When you're gonna spend probably another five to ten thousand dollars getting there, tipping your, tipping your guides. Oh yeah. <laughs> and so, and, you know, what's a ten thousand dollar raffle at that point? Well, the ten thousand dollars. I mean, that's you. You can get a new Gunworks cheaper. That's yeah, like yeah. full blown. Yeah. Everything. I'm trying to think the cheapest I've seen one. Seven. I know at one time they come down and try to sell them a little bit cheaper, but then they're like, meh. You know. Well, yeah. I mean, and I, I just personal. Preference. I think they make some of the most aesthetic rifles. Oh, their yeah. stocks and everything. I mean, again, you can't really. A lot of these other rifles, especially even high ends, you can go piece it all together yourself. Um, yeah, they, I feel like they're the few that one of the only ones you can't. Yeah, and they have a like their website. You can do a gun builder. That thing's awesome. Like they're doing a lot of awesome stuff. And they have some new, new stuff coming out. That's really cool. Like they. Oh yeah, the new. Ac- I really, really want to play with the new action. Yeah, I have some opinions on that. I can't wait to see it so I can... Because, I mean, I don't want to be that guy who's like, i seen a video, so here's my opinions. I want to wait until I get it in my hands. Now, that being said, 
And then they'll even say it's because they have another pod. They have a podcast too. I can't remember what it's called, but it's gun March podcast. That's what I call it. Uh, they even said like, we're not, we don't care if it shoots tiny groups. We want to shoot good groups repeatedly, which is, that's good. Now, and a lot of people like they look at it and go, well, I just spend $2,000 on this rifle. You should shoot like one whole groups. Nah, no, <laughs> that's just not how that works. Your ammo is usually what gives you that one whole group. Now, if you can shoot this gun once a day for five days a week and not touch it and then shoot the bullseye every single time and say, I hate to say MOA because I don't even like to hunt with MOA rifles, but sub MOA in the bullseye every single time your ammo is good. Your rifle's great. And that's, I've always seen that with the gunworks rifles. Now there has been, I have a few complaints and that, you know, they're constantly changing stuff. So I'm assuming they already know of these complaints. Like some of the actions, this is a pet peeve of mine about all Cerakoters and I understand why they do it. Okay. So when you Cerakote a barreled action, I cannot stand it when they put it inside the action. And it's because, like, it's hard to tape off. And if you don't get it all the way up in there, like that transition to the, you know, the ejection port, if you don't get it all the way up in there, that's a spot where can, the Cerakote will start wearing and fading off. But the minute they put it inside the action, when you take an action that's really tight tolerances, such as a Gunworks is, and those are great actions, don't get me wrong. I don't understand why they're still 90-degree bolt throws, but that's neither here nor there. Uh that's the thing that they're changing it all in the new one. But anyways, uh, when you put Cerakote in there, it makes it just the most terrible. And they're all about, okay, so they're all about the the aesthetics and the, uh, what, is, what is the word he uses? Like the uh, the interaction between you and the bolt gun. Like they're all into that. And that's great. That's why your rifle builder should be. Like you should care about what the customer feels and thinks about this thing. He just spent all of his hard-earned money. But when you Cerakote the inside of your action, it's god awful for a long time. Like you're, especially like the Gunworks action. I don't remember what it's called. The GLR is the ones they sold. Yeah. And then the G whatever is the ones they didn't sell. But they built their own on. They're really tight, great actions, like super heavy duty, easily to service, which most of them now are nowadays. Great, great action. But when they Cerakote the inside of the action, it's just, it gunks up really Everybody easy. says, just, oh, if you coat it right, it, it, you won't even be able to tell. It's really thin coating, but it just. No. These are, these are people that aren't using their shit. I'm not like that. <laughs> like, if I, if I lined up, like, 50 guns and had you go, like, you know which ones have Serica. They, because they'll, they'll hang up in their own spot. Yes, yes. And that's. And it takes, I mean, that 6.5 PRC, it, they Serica. I mean, it looks great. I just wish they wouldn't put it inside the action, like I said. Until the barrel was burnt out, it was a thing. Like it would, it would, uh, it was too tight because of the Cerakote. So I couldn't run it real fast and it, it would hang up in certain places. I went there and lapped it with a lap bar and all kinds of stuff, trying to get the Cerakote wore out in certain spots. But still, with all the Cerakote being in there, especially running suppressed out hunting, you're going to be in different uh, environments and everything. It just gunks up really easy. So I just wish people would stop doing that altogether. Now, if you have old, raggedy room 700 sloppy ass action or something like that it doesn't really bother it it's still going to be an issue because you're constantly going to be taking a thin layer off of that cerakote and pushing it up into the basically towards the chamber the whole time like it's you have to clean your where the lugs go and everything else a lot more when it's cerakoted in there but you know again 
That's, I see it's pet, laziness. It's a pet peeve. It's laziness. They don't want to take the time to get it taped off right to where you can get it just inside that. I guess you would call it the ejection ejection port on a bolt action. Tape tape it off to where it gets just inside there, so you don't have it, you know, stomping on the edge, but not in the actual action. It's just again, you can use. I've used uh, Play-Doh. Again, it's pain, but you know what? There's no Cerakote inside the action. <laughs> also, uh, most of the guns that are that way, you're, we're, I mean, about $4,000 plus guns. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, you want it to be perfect. And but it's just, it's out. We're, we're not all as good as you, he's, though. He's lazy. I'm, I'm not great at Cerakote. No, I meant like just, you know, shooting. Just in general. Yeah. <laughs> um. I'm trying to think. Of it. I think that pretty much wraps it up. Uh, I mean, you could, you can go over that. Like, no matter what the price point, I've I've had the luxury of shooting rifles that cost absorbent amounts of money, all the way down to the cheapest rifles. No matter the price point, I've seen one, one time or another, have issues. It happens. St- you know, stuff gets overlooked. Whatever. Yeah, every once in a while you're going to get a bad barrel. Stuff happens. So, again, just do your homework. Like, if obviously, if there's one manufacturer that's having lots and lots of issues, probably don't buy that one. But if you have a small issue when you get a rifle, reach out to the person who sold it to you or the manufacturer and try to figure it out before you just start like, oh, you know, it's going to happen. But is there anything else, Sir Jonathan? Yeah, I think it's good. Well, we appreciate y'all watching. See you next time.